0: Uh, we're going to get into uh, the Word of God for today. Uh, before we do, I would love to do our, our pre word declaration together. So uh, repeat this after me the word, of God is the, bread of life. the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it, May my heart conceive it. and my life achieve it. The more, I give life, the, more I'll receive. the more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alright. So this is our last Sunday of January. We are closing out our series, which has been called Pray First. Um, last week we touched on the importance of of God's word and how it is our rock. Um, When I say God's word, in case you're curious, I specifically mean uh, the written word of God or, or the scriptures or the Bible, whichever term you use. We believe that that is our foundation. Jesus says that those who do his word are like people who are building their house on a rock. And when the storms and winds of life come where other houses may fall down, the house that's built on the rock is gonna still be standing. And the beauty and the reason why I teach so passionately about the word is because I want us to still be standing when all of these crazy things pass. I don't want 2020 and 2021 to be the year that you say that's, that's the day I lost my faith. That's the day I, I decided to end it all. I want us to survive this. I want us to still be standing in the midst of all of this turmoil. Uh, 2020 was a windy year literally for Nashville because of the tornadoes. We've had people who had so much property damage and not to mention everything else that ended up happening for the rest of the year. But I want to commend you guys because we're still here. You know, we might be limping, but we're still here. Some of us might be crawling with all our might, but we're still here. And I just want you to know that that's, that's as, much as, as great as you are, That's not your greatness that caused you to still be here. It is solely the word of God and the grace of God that we are still standing today because all of us have been tested and tried in in some major ways, but like I said, the word of God serves as the rock. Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus says in this chapter, in this verse, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And that's just the best insurance policy you could could think of. Like, if you want something that will endure, I mean, forget like trials and tribulations, this says heaven and earth. Like, the word of God will actually exist and stand longer than this earth. Uh, Imagine having something so solid that even after your life on this earth is over, you're still standing. I mean, that's the insurance of Christ. Like, even after our death, we will still be alive, which is why death doesn't have the same sting for believers as non-believers because even after death, we will still be alive. We will still be living in Christ. And that insurance is provided only by the word of God. Uh, one of the chapters in the book that we asked you to read during the fast, Pray First, there was a book that we made available. We had physical copies out here and a digital copy on our website, which I think is still up. It's a great book about the fundamentals of prayer and there's a chapter about praying the word of God, praying the scriptures and how effective it is to incorporate scriptures into your prayer. Praying the word of God is a great way to assure that what you're praying is for sure the will and the heart of God. Um, A lot of us can tend to pray out of our logic and pray out of our soul and to pray out of our emotions um, but God really wants us to link our prayers to the will of God, which, newsflash, is sometimes different than what we want. Um, But if you truly want the will of God to be done in your life, you will adopt the prayer that Jesus prayed, where he said, nevertheless, let your will be done over mine. So that comes from the word of God. As we close our series on prayer, while last week I really spent a lot of emphasis on praying the Word of God and really championing the Word of God, there's another kind of prayer that I want to cover before we close out this month on prayer. It wouldn't be right if I didn't somehow touch on what we call, or what Scripture calls, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the... uh, the wind of the spirit and then the, the rock of the spirit and, you know, the spirit and the truth, the truth of, the, of God and, the, and the, uh, the, the, the truth of God and the spirit of God. And how depending on who we are, depending on our personality, depending on our history, a lot of us have a bent towards one. Some of us are more like, like word, word, I and mean, some of us are all about spirit, spirit. And the reason why I'm not mad about that is because it's, we, we need both. God is both. He's spirit and truth. And I believe that we can't neglect either. So this year, and this, this week, I mean, I want to talk on the role of the spirit. The word is solid. Now, hear me out, guys. The word of God, I want to preface. I need you all to pay attention because it's, it's, it's sensitive, but I'm, I'm going there. The word of God is perfect. It is perfect. Like, you know how they were singing perfect in all your ways? Scripture is perfect. It is solid. It has endured the test of time and will continue to do that. However, the word of God can be manipulated depending on the heart or mouth that it's coming from. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Be diligent. To present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if you can rightly divide the word of truth, that means you can wrongly divide the word of truth. As much as I believe that the word of God is infallible, I do not believe that people are infallible. Honestly, we're anything but. As risky as this issue is, it makes you wonder if God really thought this through to entrust his perfect word of God with the church, with people, with, with you and me. But it blesses me because I think it points to just how much faith God has in us which is very humbling for me. I'm not sure about you, but it's humbling that the Lord sees me fit to handle the word of God here on earth. The positive news is that I believe that us being here in 2021 is proof that generations of men and women have handled God's word properly enough for it to reach us as well as it has today. I think we being here is proof that the Word of God has been handled correctly enough for us to be walking in the truth the way that we are. We have testimonies in this room. We have evidence that the Word of God is active. So it reached us. It reached us from the day of Pentecost Today, It's, it's, it's been handled correctly. Thank God for God raising up faithful, accurate people in every generation. At the same time, we all know too well that the Word of God has been and still is at times handled improperly. The Word of God has been used to support and execute some of the most ungodly things The word of God has been used to oppress. The word of God has been used to degrade. The word of God has been used to abuse. The word of God has been used to commit murder. The word of God has been used to destroy marriages. The word of God has been used to manipulate situations. Again, this has nothing to do with the word of God itself. It has everything to do with the damaged hearts of men and women who handle it. For example, in the Gospels, Pharisees use the Word of God from an evil heart and they use it to try to entrap Jesus, they use it to try to condemn Jesus, to imprison Jesus. Another example that you see in the Gospels is Satan, who used the Word of God to try to tempt Jesus and to abort his mission on earth. The Word of God can be used to do what you want it to do. Murderous hearts, evil hearts, are still capable of taking Scripture to manipulate situations and destroy lives. I said last week that the Word of God keeps us accurate and it keeps us stable, and I believe that. The Word of God keeps us from being too windy and too flighty, basing our leading on our logic and our soul and kind of how we're feeling that day or how hurt we are, how happy we are. The Word of God saves us from depending on these shifting things. Likewise, the Holy Spirit keeps us accurate as well. Romans chapter eight, verse 26 through 27 says, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Guys, the human heart always needs to be kept in check like literally multiple times an hour. The heart must be kept in check. It is filled with weaknesses, hypocrisies, secrets, wounds, fragility. Many times in our weakness, we pray the scripture to manipulate our will into a situation. Most of us have all done this at some point or another, sometimes without even knowing it, me included. And as common as this is, hear me when I say, it is not okay. As common as it is, and as normal as it is, it is not okay. When it comes to using the Word of God to do God's will, hear me, when it, comes to doing, when it comes to using the Word of God to do God's will, the Holy Spirit is our help for that. Our heart is filled with too much weakness for us to know. So the Spirit is our helper. He doesn't condemn us, He helps us. We don't know the will of God from our hearts. Our hearts are just way too layered with issues that have nothing to do with God. And the beauty of of that is it's okay, because we have the help. If we didn't have the Holy Spirit, I can see us freaking out by that news because we have to depend on our hearts. But the beauty of it is we have the Holy Spirit who contributes and offers knowledge that not only do we know, not know, But honestly, we're not even expected to know. The reason why Ellington doesn't have to worry about feeding herself is because she has parents who are feeding her. It's okay. It's not not the end of the world that Ellington can't feed herself because she has help. It's not the end of the world that you don't know the perfect will of God because you have the Holy Spirit. So don't be anxious. We have the real-time, real heartbeat God right with us at all times, who is ready and willing to help us. Without the Holy Spirit, we run the risk of taking the word of God to support our own evil desires. For instance, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. That is the perfect will and word of God, perfect. But let's say we want to rob a bank and we're outside and we got the ski mask on and we're nervous if this is going to work out or not. And we say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is an example of using the Word of God to manipulate your will into a situation. The Holy Spirit's job is to come and remind you that God hates stealing. And he prevents you from using the scripture to do something that God hates. In the name of Jesus. We do these things like literally in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says there's no need to do that anymore. I'm here to help you. The Holy Spirit must be partnered with the word because it's the Holy Spirit that will remind you of the heart and will of God. The Spirit will keep you from using Scripture to support your own sinful desires. I literally know people who prayed and fasted for a green light to pursue someone else's husband. When I tell you It is not far-fetched. All of us have to keep our heart, we will pray and fast and come out confident that God told us to do something that is pure evil. The reason why we don't have to be afraid is because we have help. If we want it. If we want it. Some of us actually have convenient selective hearing we, conven- we conveniently forget what the Spirit told us, because we don't want anything to get in the way of our will. Very convenient forgetting. Oh, I, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was real convenient. Do you know the Holy Spirit is a reminder? That's actually one of his job description. His job description is he's a reminder. Jesus says in John 14, 26, but the helper, again, Jesus is telling us who our helper is. The helper, the Holy Spirit, from whom the Father will send my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So not only will he teach you, but in case you conveniently forget, he's there to graciously remind you. The Holy Spirit reminds us of things that we really did want to remember, but we forgot. And that's when we love him. It's like, thank you, Holy Spirit, I forgot about that scripture, amen, thank you, I forgot about that, okay. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to someone about Jesus, and you're trying to witness, and you like, you just remember scripture, you're like, I didn't even know I memorized that, but I just said it, like, the Holy Spirit reminded you of something to say, that's when we like him. We like him in those situations. But when we try to play stupid, When we try to play dumb so that we can not be held accountable, that's when we're like, I really wish he would have left me alone. The Holy Spirit reminds you of the truth that you are, you are held accountable to. Amen. I used to do that. There were times where I would try to carry out an action real fast before the Holy Spirit could fully convict me. Like, let me hurry up. We know what we're doing. This is why there's going to be no excuse in the end. He knows what we know. He knows what we know. You can fool us, we can manipulate each other. God sees the, all the behind the scenes. He knows your memory. There was a time where I uh, wanted to do something. That I didn't think it was that bad. I knew it wasn't the best, but I knew it wasn't that bad. So I was like, you know, let me just go ahead, you know, and and the Holy Spirit reminded me of something about a situation that stirred up a compassion in my heart and like when you want to be selfish, the worst thing is compassion (laughs) because it's like it makes you feel and it makes you accountable to that feeling of how how somebody else would feel. And it was too late. The compassion had been stirred up because he reminded me of something and I couldn't follow through because the Holy Spirit reminded me of something that stirred up compassion in my heart and that compassion prevented me from following through. That's how God helps us. We're like, well, just, can't he just heal my body and give me paychecks in the mail that I wasn't expecting? I like that kind of help. Can't he just give me the promotion miraculously? I like that help. No, he, he, he builds compassion, he makes you aware, he makes you care to where you can't follow through with things that you normally would do if you were ignorant. When I was younger, this is how the Holy Spirit helped me, I had a very fixed image of God, a very fixed image of who God was. And we tend to see God in our lives according to the condition of our hearts. Which is why we must know the kind of confidence that we should have in our heart, because believe it or not, every single person here, like you see God according to the condition of your heart. He can be staring at you, it's like, like not only be crass, you know like beer goggles, like you're drunk and you see things a certain way, and things look, like that guy looks a lot better than he normally would look if you were sober. Or that girl looks a lot prettier than she would if. They, it's called, they call it beer goggles. Like you, It changes your lens. When you are hurt and rejected, you have on goggles, just so you know. If your heart is still wounded from bitterness and resentment, just so you know, you've got a set of goggles on. And if you want to see clearly, we must. Ask God, search my heart, clean out my heart. Guys, I had a rejected and angry heart. So as good as God is and as perfect in all his ways he is, I saw him as a very distant and cold figure. I didn't see him like the God that we were singing about, not because he wasn't that, but my heart was plagued with rejection and anger. So every time I heard God, I saw him in a big chair with his arms folded, leaning back. And the Holy Spirit helped me through the story of the prodigal son. He's our help. For those of you who aren't familiar, the prodigal son is a story about a very rich estate owner who had sons and the youngest son wanted to take his inheritance early and, and start his life and the father said yes and he went away and he, and he lost all of his money pretty quickly um, and he hit rock bottom and he had an epiphany and said that I had a lot better at my father's house. Even my father's servants live better than how I'm living. Let me go back and you know thinking about when I hear this story you know put it this way too scriptures. Because of the condition of my heart, the scriptures that would stand out to me were the scriptures about God's wrath, about his distance, about his holiness. Now now, granted, again, God is holy, but when you have a rejected heart, holiness means you're not good enough for him and like he doesn't want anything to do with you. That's, that's the lens, guys. Holiness from a healed heart is awe and wonder. The word holiness from someone who suffers from rejection means I am being kicked out at the gate before I even can step foot in the house. So God is holy, but because of my rejected heart, let his holy, holiness be evidence that he didn't want anything to do with me. It's a lens, guys. I had the goggles on. That was a total reflection of my heart. So when the sun comes running back, the Holy Spirit allowed a certain part to stand out to me, something that I had never noticed before. Of all the times I've read it and heard it in kids' church, again, your heart also knows how to, like, filter out things that you don't want to hear. Like, your heart actually knows how to do that. It's It's a very sophisticated, you know, Creation. Luke 15, 20 changed my life. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him? The Holy Spirit... He keeps you in touch with the real-time, real-life heartbeat of God. The Holy Spirit keeps you in tune with who God really is, opposed to the image that your damaged heart has painted of him. Since the word can so easily be taken out of context to reflect the wounds of your heart, The Holy Spirit keeps God's heart close by. The Bible says that no one knows the mind and heart of God like the Holy Spirit, including Christians. The Holy Spirit knows God's heart better than Christians, even the spirit-filled ones. Imagine that. This is what we call a gift from God. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and he keeps us accurate. He keeps us personal with God. He keeps us connected to the actual God and not just the God of your nightmares, the God of your situation, pain, your heart filter, your goggles, your your rejection goggles. We've got beard goggles. We've got rejection goggles. We've got anger goggles. We've got resentment goggles. We've got fear goggles. The Holy Spirit says, hey, let me give you the real Him. The Holy Spirit is like the additional features on a car that helps it just run better. The Holy Spirit is like helpful apps on your phone that just helps you just, it's just, it navigates, it helps you. It's it's an assistant. The Holy Spirit, like, he assists us, believe it or not. He is there to help, y'all. That's his nature. He's like, I'm here to help. I'm your helper. One of his gifts is one that I love to talk about and I'm gonna spend a little time on this, so uh, next step, people, just get ready. Uh, Praying in the Holy Spirit is the ability to pray according to what the Spirit knows instead of what you know. The Holy Spirit is the, praying in the Holy Spirit is the ability to pray according to what the spirit knows instead of what you know. And the reason why that's good news is because scripture is very explicit that the holy spirit knows way more than we do. Honestly, I believe that's kind of news for some of you the way you act. He knows way more. It would be behoove of you to let the spirit I got this one. Alvin, I got this one. You think you know? I got this one. You know according to 10 years of salvation. I was here when before the, earth of, the creation of the world. I was hovering over the waters. I got this one. And he's not arrogant about it, but he's like, he, I got it. Like, come on, Like, do I really have to convince you that I know more? Like, do I really have to convince you that you don't know the whole picture after six years of salvation? You went through one training. <laughs> Do I really have to convince you? you he knows more. Yeah. Yeah. Scripture is very clear about this. When you pray in the spirit, you give reins to the one who knows it all. When you pray in the spirit, you give the reins, the control, to the one who knows it all. To me, the best way to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is to pray in the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians two, nine through 12 says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. The Spirit is our source for this information. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Like the Holy Spirit searches like behind the couch, like underneath the sofa, underneath the rug, like He's covering the areas. He does a spot check that we could never think of. We do like one sweep, I search the heart of God, the Holy Spirit's like, there's a whole part of it here. I got this, okay. The Holy Spirit searches even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I'm going to read that again. For no, also no one comprehends the thoughts of God. No one. Well, God, I'm, a, I'm the righteousness of God. No one. I was bought by the blood. No one. Accept the spirit of God. Now, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So we have received him, but we have to utilize him. Like, I've got a lot of numbers in my phone, but I'm not calling all y'all every day. Like, just because you have the spirit doesn't mean that you actually know how to work with him. Please, guys. Just think about it, like I have your number, but I don't call you, Mason, every week. It is possible to have the Holy Spirit and not call him. Now we have received the spirit spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words taught, not taught, Not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I could say lot on that, but I'm not gonna say that because I'm gonna keep going and I can teach you on this later. The scripture goes on to say how the spirit appears and sounds like folly or silliness to the unspiritual person. Um, I can't think of anything more silly or absurd than my last point of my message. And that is what scripture calls speaking in tongues. Let's talk about it. I'm gonna try to break this down real quick, but effectively. So everyone knows, everyone who's ever read the Bible knows that it's in the Bible. So it's never a question if it's in the Bible. You don't have to be a genius to read that Jesus spoke about it and said, those who follow me will do this. If you are a Christian, all of your heroes in the New Testament did it. So it's not like it's like this hidden code, it's there, all you got to do is read and know it's there, but yet there's still so much um, there's so many walls around it. I think the source of it is is it's very offensive to human understanding and, and our dignity. It's because it's, it's scripturally it's scripturally folly. It's scripturally silly to the na- to the natural mind. And a lot of us I mean... We're natural people, so what do you expect? It offends us. If you ever wondered why tongues are the form that God brings or brought or brings his spirit through our lives, if you ever wondered why that, like why could it not be dancing? Why could it not be, you know, doing this? Like, Why could it not be, you know, getting on your knees? Like, why that? Why that? Why Have you ever wondered, why speaking in tongues? Like, why is that a thing? James 3, 4 through 5, lets you know something very important about the tongue. Verse 4 says, look at the ships. He's giving us an analogy. Imagine a ship. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, They are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire if you want to know why it's why tongues, James says that the same role that a rudder plays in a huge ship, our tongue plays that same role for our entire life. He's trying to help you see the significance of the tongue. God knows this The devil knows this. Angels know this. Demons know this. The entire spirit world is in on this secret. We're the ones that don't know this. They know, this is old news to them. They know that the ticket to directing our lives is by conquering the tongue. They know, God knows, if I wanna direct their lives, if I wanna drive their lives, I have gotta get their tongue. Satan says, if I want to direct their lives, if I want to guide their lives, i got to get their tongue. Angels going, if we want them to be led by God, we've got to reach the tongue. Demons are saying, if we want to reach their lives, we got to get their tongue. The spirit world knows this. This is not a new lesson to them. This is old news. This is a revelation to us down here on earth. They both are after our tongue because they know that that is the rudder to our ship. It's like a race. and They're not after this, they're not after this. They're not after this, 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 they're after this. this, this. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, no, sorry. The plan of God regarding our tongue was prophesied years before the day of Pentecost in the book of Joel. And it was fulfilled 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. Acts chapter 2, verse 3 through 4 says, And divided tongues. If you ever wonder why tongues, like what why couldn't they just be angels? Like tongues, what's that about? Now you know. You no longer have to wonder. James, James clears it up. Now you know. The first thing that the Holy Spirit came in the form of was a tongue. He didn't waste any time. I'm not wasting any time. I'm going straight for where the money's at. I'm going straight for the driver. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to dance They begin to sing. They begin, well, they might have. That's a tongue, sorry. They begin to, I don't know, spin. They begin to speak. Because the power is in where? They begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit, can't forget about that help, as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be our help. In this moment, he helped believers by giving them this untaught, spontaneous utterance that sounded ridiculous, and it, but through the ridiculous folly, it accomplished the most major advancement in the kingdom of God that had ever been achieved to that date. No other advancement had surpassed what happened That day, the utterance the Spirit gave them must have been unlocking some major doors because the minute that Peter said something in his native tongue, like his learned tongue, thousands came to Jesus from that message. You tell me that the tongue isn't powerful. Eternities, thousands of eternities were changed. Through a guy's words. Acts 2, 14 through 15. But Peter, standing with the 11, this is what happened. He lifted up his voice. Again, praise God for hands, but he didn't get up and go. He didn't go up there and go. He spoke. He lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ears to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, which go ahead lets let you know that it's scripturally right for it to sound silly, and you wonder maybe if you've had a few. This is in scripture. This is, this is how it comes across, and it's still how it comes across. Since it is the third hour of the day, basically it's the morning. We're not drinking like that in the morning. That was, I love that that was as evidence. <laughs> Who drinks at nine in the morning? But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Guys, remember what I said? The spirit and truth have to work together, the wind and the rock have to work together. To me, this is a perfect example of that. Perfect marriage. This is what he did. He took the written scripture in the book of Joel, something that had been sitting in books and scrolls for generations at this point. And then the Holy Spirit was partnered with it. And then for those of you who've experienced this gift and have stepped into this, you realize, most of you, that it brings the scriptures to life. I've had experience where I feel like the word, is, I'm like, I've read the scripture, why am I seeing this? Because when the spirit meets the word, that's the marriage that causes reproduction, to be honest. That's how things are produced. So we have this old text, and then we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So now he's taking scripture that had been written for a long time and just sitting in people's Bibles and saying, now it's alive. This prophecy that was written in scripture from the prophet of Joel, prophet Joel, now it's alive. Like, we are in that day. That prophecy is alive now. And he continued the scripture, and thousands got saved, and the spirit just moved like a rampage through this town, and it's still moving today, and we've got a lot of proof in this room that he is still on the move. When Peter was given the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, the accurate interpretation of God's Word was given in a way that brought life. You wanna know if the Spirit is active? It's bringing life to your situation. Like, easy evidence. Like, if there's no life, that's not the Spirit. The Spirit brings life. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So the word without the Spirit actually can kill. Like, that's why people have used the Bible in so many messed up ways. That's what you call using the text without the life of the Spirit. But when you have the Spirit, it makes, woo, it's amazing. It's such a difference. I don't know if any of you all have thought this long and in depth about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I'm glad that we've been able to dive more in. There's more here, of course. The Holy Spirit plays a vital role in the lives of of the believer, and the best place to let the Holy Spirit in, I believe, is through our prayers and through our words. More specifically, our private prayer time. I believe that's the primary space to let the Spirit, and it's not a spiritual, deep reason, it's just that, like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I don't really get a lot out of you speaking in tongues in my life. Like, <laughs> I'd rather you tell me something that I can hear what you're saying. Like, I know it's good and I know it blesses you, but like I don't personally get anything. I like if praise God, but like if, I don't know, if someone came and spoke, to me, spoke in tongues to me, I'd be like, awesome, like I know you're blessed, but like I got nothing, I can't do anything with that. So that's when you, should, like when you're here, it's like talk to me, like tell me something I can understand, prophesy, say something that isn't in English, you know I, know, I know English. But the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, it's, it's, it builds you up. It gives you the revelation. It gives you the strength. It gives you the life. It doesn't do a whole lot for me by hearing it. I'm not against it. I'm just saying like it's not productive for me as the listener. First um, Corinthians, last scripture. 14 verse 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I knew a guy that, was like, wrote out, tried to write, God bless him, it was, it was early in his walk. He was trying to write out phonetically what he was speaking in tongues because, like, he thought that that was, like, I don't know, like, he, he didn't, he was treating the language as if it was, like, a language that you read, you know? It's, it's, it's exclusive for speaking. Like, it's supposed to be spoken, but you don't, and it does things, but it's not, like, you don't write out like bushah, su, ka, you don't, you don't do that. He doesn't do that anymore, but in the beginning he did that. He, he didn't know. Your mind is unfruitful. You're not supposed to understand literally the things you're saying. But what happens is through the spirit you receive revelation and you can, you can sense what the Lord is saying through the words, even though you don't know what the words are. Like, You just got to step into it, trust me. Um, it's, a, it's not the easiest task rationalizing the most unrational thing about the spirit, but it's, I'm I'm dedicated to teach you guys. Um, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind also. So there is, that's why I'm saying, that's why I'm like, you can, you still should pray words that you understand. Like three weeks ago, I literally prayed like our father who art in heaven. Like I'm not throwing out our prayers in English, I'm just saying there's a space for that, but then there's also is a space for our spirit to run the show when we pray. I will sing and praise with my spirit, which is what we did with Rob and all of them, and then I will sing, sing with my mind, I'm sorry, sing with my spirit, which is singing in tongues, and then I will sing with my mind words that we can read in the script on the, on the, on the screen. We do both, balance. Guys, I had so many meetings this week where the ending theme was balance, Oh my God that is the word balance Thank you Father. in this passage, praying with your spirit is described as praying as is, is describing praying in tongues it's untaught' it's, it's not understandable to the speaker it's very different I'm glad we're ending our month of prayer on this aspect because I believe it's actually God's greatest gift of prayer um, I believe like it's it's the It's the gift for our prayer life. I've been a beneficiary of this gift for like 12 years now. And as confrontational as it always is when I talk about it, the reward of seeing people receive and understand this topic is priceless. I've had the pleasure of seeing in the past 10 years of ministry, hundreds of men and women add this into their prayer life and it never gets old. It never gets old. I mean, there are people in this room, I remember where it happened. We were at Collier's house, Daniel. You know what I'm saying? I remember, like I was there, With I was, it's the best. We were at the pool, Trey and Shannon's house, Maria. Literally by the pool. That was your first Sunday at Nashville Life. She jumped right in. Yeah, Trey was in the living room. That's right. So, like, this is real. And I love that I get to be a part of it. And now, you want to know what's really fun is when they call you and say they pray with somebody else. That's when it's like you feel like granddad love at 30 years old. It's the best. Josh, living room. I wanna pray for us, for anyone who wants to add this into their prayer life, add this to their lives. You can receive it. Um, We've done things differently, you know, obviously, and this is to show that God can move through any format, okay? I've been in the meetings where literally people bum rush this area. And I lay hands, and you get it because we lay hands, praise God. And I love that, right? But the reason why I love the Holy Spirit is because he allows me to experience him in other ways so I don't become religious and think that unless I'm laying hands on someone, they can't be filled with the Spirit. So what he's allowed me to do is to minister to some. I've ministered to people over the phone. They were literally like in Wisconsin, and they got it. So for those of us who want to make it religious and take a situation and go, that's how God moves. He saved me from that, and I pray that he saves you from that today, because I'm not going to lay hands on anybody. And I actually think it's healthy that I'm not, because I'm not against it, but I need you to see that don't put God in a box. Jeez, come on. Where is your faith? I'm going to pray like I prayed for Jackson Duggar. We were in Fido on 21st Avenue. And we prayed, and I actually said, don't worry about doing it right now. Go home. We'll pray and receive it. It doesn't have to happen with me right in front of you. Go home. And in your prayer time, step out and do it. Text me when it happens. Guess what? He got baptized in the spirit. He texted me. It was a beautiful experience. And now he's prayed for dozens himself, and it worked just fine. You know, if I'm talking to you, you know who you are. So let's stand. Before I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what happened when this Holy Spirit came upon them, I gotta pray for you to receive Jesus. And I'm not saying that you don't have Jesus, but I'm saying that Jesus, the way it works is Jesus is the giver of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts. That's how it works. So I don't wanna jump to tongues if someone's heart isn't even for Jesus yet. Like, you're gonna, you're not, you can't, Jesus gives the gifts, so you gotta receive Jesus. So let's pray the prayer of salvation for those of us who wanna say yes to Jesus. Repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new creation in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus I pray, amen. Let's celebrate salvation. Let's take time to celebrate salvation. And I want to make, let's celebrate more. We need to beef up salvation. Because as great as the gift the Holy Spirit is, there is no great gift greater than the salvation of Christ. There is no gift of the Spirit that exceeds the gift of salvation. If you are saved, you have the greatest gift. My message to you is that you just haven't received all that you could. This is just a message saying there's more. There are gifts, other gifts that God has for you. So let's step into this next gift. Repeat this prayer after me. We're going to pray this one to Jesus because he's the giver of the spirit. Lord Jesus, I ask for you to baptize me into your Holy Spirit. Give me the ability to speak in tongues so I can pray your perfect will in my life, in my family, in my church, in my city. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Now, according to the word of God, because you spoke it, because you asked it, the Lord has given it. So let's celebrate the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's celebrate the baptism of the Holy Spirit.